Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Lockdown Flyers podcast for Wednesday, February 23rd, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that is going to look on the bright side and say, wow, what a great performance from Martin Jones in net last night. There you go. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. Keep up to date on all the Flyers news, our episodes, and you can also email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. We are going to talk about last night's game against the Blues, which kind of got away from them. We're going to do our weekly Phantoms check-in and then answer some mailbag questions. Lockdown Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you are listening right now. So subscribe and you'll get all of our episodes here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. All right, Russ. So the Flyers did a little bit of line shuffling coming into last night's game. And I have to say, even though the results were not great for this game... I do like what they did with the top two lines. Yeah, I was okay with the line shuffling. I I had no problem with it. They certainly got some chances. Yeah, I, I was fine with it too. I think putting Radcliffe on the top line was an interesting choice, but a good one because of his size. He can be that net front presence mm-hmm. that I think really counterbalances out what Drew and Atkinson can do. But at the same time, like Radcliffe does have hands and he can produce things. So, you know, I think there's a good opportunity for, for all of them on that line. And then I also thought that Lindblom, Lawton and TK just had a tremendous amount of energy in the game. And it just felt like Lindblom was snake bit until he got that one. Yeah, there's no question Lindblom was was really looking to get one and and was been playing well for a while now. The only thing you worry about Ratcliffe on the top line is just minutes. You mm-hmm. know, if it, we don't know where he'll be like four or five games from now if he keeps playing on the top line with all those minutes, but that's the only thing otherwise, you know, maybe they have to take him off the power play. You'll see. I mean, that's what you have to sort of manage. That's the one thing I'm going to get on Mike Yo tonight is for managing minutes and deployment. So I'm warning you. Okay. Well, I want to just talk about the defensive side of things a little bit first because it was very clear that the Sandheim Ristolainen pair was the only one really having any positive outcome mm-hmm. in this game. They were good on creating rushes and helping on on the breakout. I thought Risto looked really great defensively, net front. He was pushing away guys, you know, right and left. Uh, almost got into trouble there once, but <laughs> the refs didn't call it. I, I think that, you know, he was doing his job and doing it solidly. It was just really, like, Provy was struggling. Sealer had, had a good play. I he think. did have a good play. But, you know, overall that pairing didn't really, I think – spark anything or help create offense for this team no uh so as an example with Provorov who was a minus four uh at at what point did Mike Yo figure he should cut his minutes it was never and he should have 
he, he should have realized, okay, this guy's really struggling lately. He's really struggling in his game. And just like Rachel said, uh, maybe put the other guys out, that other pairing, a little bit more tonight because they're the better pairing. But he didn't do that. It was a little bit baffling. And, you know, I'm not sure what they're trying to do to try and get his confidence back because just keep putting him out there is not the strategy that works with him. We've seen this before. Yes. That this is not new information that we are discovering right now. We know that when he's struggling, he's got to pull back a little bit or have a different partner mm -hmm. to try and get whatever he needs to going. Yeah, he had, he had 24 frustrating minutes. Uh, so, so some other things for deployment. So in this game, it was pretty clear Keith Yandel was never going to hit the net for any shot he took. And why have him out there at the end of the game with the goalie pulled when you know, A, he wasn't playing particularly well, B, he was never going to hit the net, and eventually, you know, he does make a lazy pass and Provorov can't cover it and you give up an empty netter. It's like, why was he out there? Please explain. I got nothing for you there. I just thought that, the, especially, you know, they took that time out too after. Mm -hmm. And like, what was the point of that? I mean, I know Mike Yo explained it after the game, just thought the guys deserved a chance to take the time to set up a play because they had worked so hard. Fine, I guess. Okay. But, uh, you know, I, I just think that there were some choices there with deployment, like you said, that didn't really like do anything to help them in the long I mean, why run. was jvr out there late he he's he was he's a minus done nothing all game nothing he's like a minus three or four he's a minus 23 on the year like all of a sudden he's you expected him to come through in the clutch just magically like put some other guys out there that are having a better game this is when much like the shootout you want to play your hotter hand guys the guys who are having a good good minutes in this game hoping that, hey, they carry that over with the extra guy out there and you get your points. Just playing those other guys doesn't really do it. Yeah, I think, you know, the big difference between this game and, say, the last few games where it's felt close and that the Flyers put in a really good effort but still lost is just the quality of chances mm -hmm. that the Flyers were getting. You know, you look at the end totals and you see that shots were even, but they were not even. I mean, no. the Blues doubled up on the Flyers in terms of high danger chances in the game. And I think that was a big part of it, too, that the Blues, even though they only scored two of them over the course of the game, it was, you know, they had so many more chances to do it. And it took them, you know, three tries to get one of them with including a really great save by Martin Jones on the second of the of the three shots. So... You know, I think that you're not going to win these games if you're not getting these repeat opportunities. These games, any games, I mean, we're talking about still one win in the new year. Like, it really is incredible. And we can say whatever we want. Some of these are closer. Sometimes they're playing better. But at key times, they're still not holding their own. And, you know, I don't think Mike Yo can do it. And, and this is a problem now because... You have an interim in there that's now failing miserably as an interim. So do you just let it go because it's just like, ah, whatever, it's getting away from us, we'll get a high pick? That's not going to help some of these other guys. I mean, it's not going to help Provorov 
um, feel anything good about this season going into next year. Uh, I think they're in a tough spot with this. I do. I do too. And, you know, you could see it on some of the guys' faces throughout the game where yeah. they just weren't able to finish. You know, you saw that with Drew, yep. especially in this game. I think Konechny was frustrated mm-hmm. at times, especially. And, you know, Scott Lawton doing everything he can, and it's just not enough. And, you know, at a certain point with these diminishing returns, it's like, what is it doing to these guys long term, yeah. right? Like, there's just too many games left to kind of have it going this way. Because I really do feel like it's going to have a carryover effect to next year if it keeps going this way. If they look, they magically start winning, that's great. But that's, you know, everybody keeps talking about stringing wins together. It's like, it might only take magic at this point, honestly. Or just a really bad opponent. Like, they're playing decent against some of these good teams for some of the game. I just, you know, but again, yeah, I just, you know, Mike Yo at this point is kind of like that parent when you just don't feel like listening to your parent and keeps telling you, uh, you're not listening to me. You're not listening to me and you keep doing the same thing. And that's what's happening with these guys. Like he's, you know, he keeps saying we're talking about it and it's not happening and we're talking about it and it's not happening. And it's like, okay. Well, then something's got to change. Whether And if Mike Yo is still going to be the guy in there, then you've got to change some things drastically. And again, I will go back to this. Now that they're a little bit healthier, maybe some guys need to start sitting. Ice time is the only thing that could really, that you could take away from a player and really make them think about it. That's where we're at right now. Yeah. And, you know, unfortunately... You know, we're at six in a row, and uh, I hope to God it's not seven. But I know. the good news is that we have three days before we get to find that out. So we'll have That's a good for us. Bit. That's good for it us. It is good for us. And uh, we'll see if it's good for the Flyers. Uh, we're going to talk about the Phantoms coming up next. We actually have some good news on the Phantoms we side do. with the return of Tanner Lazinski. So we're going to talk about that coming up next. This is the time of year that you might have given up on New Year's resolutions, but I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors, yummy cinnamony, churro coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie, so good. All Built Bars, including those puffs, are covered in 100% real chocolate. Go to Built.com and scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. They have so many delicious flavors like mint brownie, coconut, and coconut almond. New for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. New flavors are coming out all the time at Built Bar. They're all about taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. 
All right, it's time for our weekly Phantoms check-in, this time on a Wednesday, Russ. And man, we have been struggling with injury stuff at the Flyers level and at the Phantoms level. And it looked like things were getting back to somewhat normal. You know, we saw Cam York came back, Tanner Lazinski Mm -hmm. has been back in, but... Then um, we had some unfortunate injuries this past weekend. Linus Hogberg was injured on Saturday. Uh, Brennan Saunier has been out for a while. And then, unfortunately, Felix Sandstrom was hurt on Saturday, had to be replaced by Kirill Ustamenko. And that is why when we had the emergency call-up for the Flyers, when Carter Hart had his eye infection, it was Ustamenko and not Sandstrom getting called up. Pat Nagel was not yet back from his Olympic adventures, so there wasn't a stopgap to cover And Wade Allison's back on the IR. Yes, there is also that. So, you know, you win some, you lose some, uh, you know, two steps forward, one step back. There's so many cliches we could go into about this situation, but we are getting at least somewhat closer of what an ideal Phantoms lineup would look like. And they had two tough games this past weekend, uh, one against Utica, who is leading the North Division, and then against Springfield, who is leading the Atlantic Division, where the Phantoms are. So two tough opponents. And I will say, despite losing both games, I mean, Utica was a shootout loss, uh, but both games were very close and very competitive. So you do have to give them some credit for battling through the weekend. Yeah, we knew Utica would be a real tough one. I mean, they're a really good team. So I I think the Utica effort is good. I, I think, you know, the Springfield loss, I don't love it, but I've, listen, I'm, I've resigned myself to the fact that this is a 500 or less team but mm. I'm just looking but I'm looking for like you said the development if the development's there I could live with the record absolutely and you're right I, I do think the effort against Utica was better than the one against Springfield overall uh, it was a, a weird game in that there was a super active first period with a ton of shots on both sides and then things just kind of died down like maybe both teams were tired out from that first period the Phantoms only had three shots on goal in the second mm. couldn't quite get the energy back enough to break through I did think that they had a couple of good chances in that overtime specifically from Connor Bonneman and Clen Denning but just you know nothing was able to break through and Ustamenko did look pretty good overall coming into that game in relief. So I think there were some good takeaways from that one. And that was also the debut of Tanner Lazinski. And I think he had an, an excellent weekend on his return. And, you know, you expect guys to take a little while to get back in the swing of things, but I just think, you know, he played much better than a guy coming off a long term injury than I would have expected. Yeah, he's a guy that, at that level, I really think is a cut above. I think mentally he's a step ahead. I think physically he's right there with him, and he's got the will. And and so Lisinski always had that in the college ranks. Saw it again in in camp where he literally was just coming back from the injury, and I thought was looking really good until the setback. So. I'm not completely shocked by this. I think uh, this is what I expect from Tanner Lisinski. 
Yeah, and on Sunday, you know, he scored the Phantoms' lone goal. He broke through on a shorthanded attempt that didn't result in a goal, but, you know, I think he just really stepped it up even from Saturday to Sunday. And there was an interview of him between periods, and he talked about having to mentally transition between practice and games in order to play within the system. And that he was like pretty honest with himself that said he he wasn't 100% there in terms of playing correctly within the system as it's defined. But to me, I kind of want him to break out of that system a little bit just to do what Mm -hmm. he does best and concentrate on his own game a little bit. Yeah, I think Lusinski really needs to close out this year strong. And I think he's a guy that could challenge um, for a spot next year. And, And that's good. That's where you want him to be. I think there was really a lack of anybody else standing out in a good way this weekend. Uh, I thought Cam York looked fine on Saturday. Uh, You know, he was fine on Sunday. But again, not just doing the little things to make himself look like he needed a call up right away. I did think Jackson Cates has been working really hard. He's been bounced Mm -hmm. around so much this season, and it must be really difficult for him. But he had a great game on Sunday, pretty low key, lots of chances, three shots on goal. And it it just felt like he was noticeable the the entire time. Yeah, I mean, what I'll say about Cates is, I think he's just blocked for the rest of the year by Patrick Brown. So he he probably will continue to do well, and then you hope that um, that he's able to lure his brother Noah into signing with the team. That's I think that's his biggest job, but he's still a pretty good player too. With Cam, I, I did really look in on him, and you know I think he's moving the puck well. I think he's good without the puck. I feel like um, the skating's there, but maybe the timing on, on the offense isn't there yet. So I'm okay with giving him a couple more games. And then that'll lead us into, like, the Mason Millman talk. Yeah, what is going on with him? Because they have been bouncing in between Redding and the Phantoms, and it's not exactly clear what their plan is. I think what they're doing is, since Cam is down with Lehigh taking all the power play responsibilities, that's what they're doing with Mason in in Redding. Now, I've looked in on Mason on a lot of video, and he's doing really well. I mean, you can look at the stats and see that, but I have a good base of having seen him a lot in juniors, and he really looks as good as he's ever looked on the power play, making smart passes, making good defensive plays. Like, he's completely locked in. So at this point, he really needs Cam York to go back up to the big club so he can get to Lehigh and start doing all that with Lehigh, whether he's first power play, second power play, if you want to give it to Zamula first, fine. But that's sort of what I think the plan is. If the plan isn't that and they leave York for a longer period of time in Lehigh, they're just going to overcook Millman and Redding, which I don't think is good. Interesting. I, I think that is a really good perspective just because if they're trying to give him the right kind of minutes and Redding is going to be able to provide that for him, maybe that is the right option. It could be, and I hope that's the – it seems to me like that's the plan. Um, I will say on defense, you know, Russ, you in particular have been talking a lot about Adam Clendenning and the fact that maybe they sh- the Flyers should have been using him as a stopgap defenseman on the team instead of maybe picking up Connaughton or using Nick Sealer. 
And right now he has the second most points on the Phantoms as a defenseman. And he's seventh in the AHL overall in assists. So maybe there's something to what you're saying. (laughs) No, there really is. For whatever reason, there's a complete blind spot to Adam Clendenning in this organization. He's better than Sealer. He's better than Yandel. He's he's better than Connaughton. Like, he really is the perfect guy to play number five in Philly. That's assuming you ever want to win again. Like, you don't want to win, just keep playing Keith Yandel, and you're fine until you trade him for that conditional seventh or, you know, whatever you're getting on him. So, I just don't get it. Every time I look in on Clendenny, he looks really good. Mm-hmm. I get that he's bounced up and down in his career, but he's had some good moments in the NHL. And the fact that he can't get a sniff, it's a big problem with this organization. Because if nothing else, as badly as team need defensemen, you could have built his trade value up. You still can. Yeah, that is a really good point about the trade value. At least, you know, even getting a depth pick for him would be something, right? Yes. All right. Well, we have three games to look forward to with the Phantoms starting tonight at Wilkes-Barre Scranton. And then we've got a back-to-back on Friday and Saturday at Cleveland. Uh, It should all be challenging games for the Phantoms. Hopefully Pat Nagel is back so that Ustamenko has a goaltending partner to work with. And But of course, we would like Sandstrom back sooner rather than later. Yeah, these flights from Beijing aren't smooth. I know teams have more direct flights, but I don't blame Pat Nagel for sitting a few out because his trip home probably wasn't great. All right. We'll be answering some mailbag questions coming up next. But first, we're going to hear from our friends at Bet Online. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you will need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer? They're going to choose the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer from expert mechanics to beginner do-it-yourselfers. They have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whatever you need for your car, you'll be able to find it and get your car in shape. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, so our mailbag this week has some good questions, a lot related to the trade deadline, as to be expected. First question, Russ, what do you think is a good return for Justin Braun should he get traded at the deadline? I think a second round pick is a good return. I think a third rounder is acceptable. 
Do you think they would trade him for a prospect or a, a player, like a Phantoms level player, or do you think a pick is what they're going to want to get? I think for Braun, probably a pick is what they want to get because I think the the um, I don't think the prospect level will be much better than what you have. So I think the pick is more valuable for Braun. And you know, I mentioned the other day online that the Rangers were in town and. I could see them looking for Braun, and while they do have a lot of talent, I don't know if they're going to offer any of that for Braun, who's a clear rental. So I would take the draft pick from him. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I think if they could get a second, that would be great, even if it's next year, because we don't have one. So maybe some teams would be more likely to trade their 2023 second rounder as opposed to this upcoming year's draft. And I think maybe that's the approach you start with and then settle for a third for this year. Um, I I think that's, that's the right move. I do too. Given all of the consternation with the Flyers D, who do you think the starting D will be for the Flyers at the end of this season, following trade deadline and with the call-ups? I'm going to say, um, Provorov, Sanheim, Sealer, Connaughton, York, and whoever they pick up in a trade, whether it's Drew Hellison and after he's out of college, he he comes up for a look-see, or maybe that's when they use Clendenning, or but otherwise probably somebody they get in the trade. That's that's my guess. Yeah, I'm not sure who's gonna still be around, but I would add they'll probably have Zamola up at the very end of the season. Um, and then maybe Connaughton will still be around and Nick Sealer. I, I think he'll be in that starting six as well. All right. So continuing trade deadline discussion. If the Flyers trade Martin Jones, who is the backup for the remainder of the season? I'll tell you who it should be. It should be Pat Nagel. And the reason it should be Pat Nagel is because the games up here, up with the Philly, aren't as important as the developing games down in Lehigh, where Pat Nagel, like, you know, if he sits for for seven, eight games, he's okay with that. He's a 34-year-old man. He gets it. Down there, you could go with a strict rotation and get more games for your developing goalies. This is what I would do. Yeah, it's not a a terrible idea because he could probably handle it. And I think that... You're right in terms of the development side of things. So assuming Sandstrom is back, you kind of want him playing at the AHL level to finish out the season, I think. Although it might be good if he's available to get him in a game or two just to see what where he's at at an end. Yeah, NHL if you want to level. give him a game or two at the end of the year, yeah. sure, no problem. But it's gonna you're going to mess with Hart's rotation, like his schedule, if you bring up someone like Sandstrom and all mm-hmm. of a sudden – He's not really ready. I, I think you're right there. I, I think it would be a, be good to have mostly Nagel, and then if Sandstrom's healthy, have him get in a couple of games just to see where he's at. Yeah, I like that. All right, so without naming a particular name, what qualities are you looking for in the Flyers' next coach? I'm looking for a coach who preaches defense, but doesn't suck the life out of the offense, which unfortunately I think um, Mike Yo is doing not on purpose. It's just his style. I think uh, they do need a coach that does have positive reinforcement. 
I don't think they need one that is a bad cop. Uh, because I think when all these trades are made, it's going to, the complexion of the team is going to look different. So I do think there needs to be a completely different philosophy that has been there before for the few, you know, veterans that are staying around and for the younger players there. Cause clearly none of that has been working. And even if that means like we were getting at yesterday with Laura, the abolition of what you would call a fourth line and just have another fourth scoring line is fine with me. It's interesting the way you talk about the defense side of things, that being defensive-minded without stifling the offense, because I think that's a really good philosophy to have going into it. And for me, it's, it's that I want a coach that can create solid defensive structures that don't over rely on shot blocking that it's choking off teams in the neutral zone that allows a transition back to offense like you were Mm -hmm. saying in a way that doesn't stifle the the offense and you know I'm thinking about a guy because frankly I say guy and I want to say a person but they're not hiring a woman for this job so no they're not I, I think that they want, I want somebody who's a, a player's kind of coach because I feel like it's been a little um, separate and adversarial to some degree that there's, you know, play happening in spite of the coaching at the moment. And I just feel like I want their, the head coach to be the good cop. In, in this situation that maybe you have some assistants who are the bad cops, but I want there to be a really good relationship between the core players, whoever they are at this point and the coach so that it feels like it's a relationship where they want to be successful for each other. Yeah. Like as an example, I don't know if Martin St. Louis is the right coach for the Habs, but he basically said the reason Cole Caulfield's doing well is He's not pressing down really hard and telling him, play perfect defense. He's saying, go out there and do what you do best and and think about defense. The Flyers need to do that with Morgan Frost because Frost has gotten very good now with his defensive game and has a couple of chances every game to sort of do something offensively, but he's really not allowed to cut it loose, and he should be. Exactly, and I think that's the right approach is allowing players to shine in the way that they do best but still have enough of a defensive structure that it creates the opportunities for them. So it's a win-win situation. Yep. All right, last question. The Flyers have started to concede that they need to do more for fans next season, such as keeping ticket prices the same. What would you do for the fans to keep or attract season ticket holders? Well, I would have more um, player meet and greets. Like I saw that for Black History Month, they had Donald Brashear in the building. I would have someone in the building for every game. And some alumni, some alumni player who's willing to sit on the concourse, they have some sort of deal with them. He signs some autographs. Fans can say, hey. And it's basically, I've seen a million teams in different sports do this. The Rangers, I've seen the Washington Nationals do it. And they'll say, hey, if you want to go in entrance, whatever, you know, He's signing free autographs over there. Go ahead if you like. And and do that. If you don't do it every game, do it a couple times a month. But that could really create a nice buzz and just a nice reminder like, hey, you know, that's a nice little 
addition to what I'm seeing on the ice. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And one of the things that I've noticed over the years with some of their season ticket holder appreciation things and events is that it's all in mass, right? Tons of people there at once and it doesn't feel personal. But if you have more smaller group activities amongst season mm-hmm. ticket holders and amongst fans where you have smaller meet and greets where you really feel like you get one-on-one personal attention, I think that goes a long way. You know, just you know, for example, the uh, holiday skate on the Wells Fargo ice and and whatnot. You get like ten mm-hmm. minutes on the ice in a huge mass of people. They don't clean the ice, so it's kind of a mess, and it just kind of feels like crowded and hurried, and it's not like fun. Maybe you break that up into smaller groups, you know, so you that feel like good. you get the time and the attention that you deserve and i know it's a lot it's more work but they have to do more work that's the whole point that we're yeah maybe you get danny briere skating out there with Mm -hmm. you too exactly exactly all right that'll do it for today's show our flyers fun thing it was um melvin's birthday the mascot for the phantoms they had a whole bunch of activities gritty was there uh, but there was one picture that I thought was really cute that came from it. Somebody in the stand saying, it's me and Melvin's birthday. How about a puck? Tanner Lozinski, of course, obliging and tossing the puck over the glass. So that was nice to see. That is good. How old is Melvin? Do we know? I don't know. I'm I'm thinking like five would be. My yeah, that's guess. what I'm thinking. But maybe like maybe, you know, he came out of high school for this job. I don't know. <laughs> All right. We will be back again tomorrow. We're going to do some prospect talk. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers, or you can email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at Miriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ, and I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your next listen Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Hosts Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.